welcome to Breaking Balls, episode six, everyone. It's Daytona week, the regular season finale. We almost got rained out, but we made it through a marathon of a weekend. Honestly, we didn't make it through. Nobody made it through, but Cody Ware, Austin Dillon, and a couple of guys. Adam learns his workout routine through an uncensored Brett Griffin. We break everything down and much more because, honestly, we don't have anything else to do tonight. And welcome to episode six of Breaking Balls. You heard my co-host Bob Perry absolutely crush that intro. Uh, we love Dolly Parton here. That is our president on this podcast, and we will uh, we will forever have Dolly to intro the podcast. Bob, great job there, but hell of a race at Daytona. War of attrition. You know, it felt like a nine to five watching that race, Adam. I, it was very yeah. fitting. Uh, More like a, a seven to weekend. five for me. I had to wake up at 7 a.m. to catch this race. You uh, you know what it feels like to be a Formula One fan in America, finally. Adam, welcome to the club. Yeah, and it just confirmed to me that I will never be a Formula One fan in America. It's too damn early for racing. You don't want to see anybody go that fast that early in the morning. It doesn't make any sense. It was, it was a strange weekend all around from the Xfinity Series going at, you know, 1 a.m. Eastern on, on Friday, I guess, Saturday morning. Cup Series getting rained out. We we started at, what, 9 a.m. Central? I, it was a, a strange weekend, my friend. Oh. Yeah, 9 a.m. Central. Yeah, 9 a.m. Central time start. Like I said, 7 a.m. my time. And what even made it weirder was the pre-race show. We were selling coins, Bob. You know, I, I flipped on the TV. I wanted to catch, you know, at least, you know, a couple minutes before the race. And we were, we were selling some silver dollar coins through America for, uh, you know, they're going to go up in value. Uh, I saw a couple of people what? tweeting Bob Pockers even. Hey, Bob, do these coins have lights, man? What's up? Yeah, what's going on? I mean, it's always good to see, you know, never know where the uh, financial. It was just another I... ridiculous nature of this weekend. Just it, oh. it was so strange. NASCAR on CNBC. Sure. Why not? Yeah, I was going to say, seeing Jim Cramer during the middle of a NASCAR race was uh, <laughs> something interesting. I was like, man, I was like, I, I was just imagining some people looking in their living room like, what the heck is the morning meeting with Jim Cramer? But, Look, we'll, we'll get to the race here in a second, but I just want to mention this real quick, Adam. I would like to see Jim Cramer and Steve Letarte do a podcast together. That would be a dynamic duo. Oh my goodness, that would be awesome. There's just think two, of that right off the head. Wow. Oh, my goodness. The distinct personalities in that podcast. But um, to move into the race, Bob, uh, obviously, you know, you get into Daytona. You have a, you see two very distinct racing lines. Um, early on in the race, the inside line was really working well, but the outside line didn't have a ton of speed. No, uh, I guess you could say there was a life in the fast lane in the bottom way because because, uh, oh, baby, Austin Dillon somehow found the lane that, when it mattered. Uh, got through the big one at the very end there. Uh, Adam, that was a sight. I, I mean, I've never seen anything like that, my friend, where yeah. one car comes out of just everything. Like, just the seas parted for one car. I haven't seen anything like that since the movie Cars. That's yeah. the last time I saw a car get through a wreck like that, that clean. I mean, to be honest with you, that's that's the only thing. I mean, you literally got to see a bunch of guys 
the entire field drive 190 miles an hour into a rainstorm that nobody knew existed. And somehow by an act of God, I don't know what it was. I've watched the replay maybe three or four times. I still don't know how he got through there clean. It, it was remark. It was just a remarkable feat of driving for Austin to, to get through that wreck. It was incredible to watch. Everyone it felt wrecked. divine. It felt divine the way he just, I mean, cause there was a couple guys in front of him that had a clean path, but they just, they got slick on the rain and just uh, cars <laughs> going 200 miles an hour on that kind of a slope with rain. People always wonder, why can't we run rain tires? Well, this is exactly why, folks, right there. Yeah, on that type of banking, there's nothing. I mean, you saw it. They, it, it was almost like synchronized. It, it looked synchronized. It looked fake almost because it, they both at the, very, at the very same time just lost it. And you saw the back ends go around and you're like, uh-oh, this is the big one. And, and then right as, right as the caution lights come out, the rain comes down all around the track. And it's just almost like, okay, well, this is Austin Dillon's race right there. Yeah. Or so we thought. So we thought. And that's hours later. Yeah, I, you know, I, I got to give it to him because yeah, I think everybody kind of re- reasonably expected them to just pack it up, you know, pouring rain, everything. They got every car in the field essentially was out with the exception of Rick Ware Racing for the most part. Um, I think a lot of people expected NASCAR to just call it from there, but kudos to them they you know they made austin dillon go back out on the track and earn it um i think you got to give a ton of credit to austin dillon here for staying in the race and staying focused you saw the interview as soon as he kind of got out of the car for the rain delay he was just like i you know he basically was like i i am acting where i am going to treat this as if i have not won this race yet we're going to get back in these cars and it's a good thing he did because that's exactly what he had to go and do and he did it it it, it just felt like you know NASCAR was going to try and make up for that, you know, chaotic ending. They didn't want to end controversial like that because, I mean, there was only, what, 10, 11 cars on the lead lap when it really came down to it. You, you, you showed them taking off the covers when they were restarting and all these cars that were out there, each one after another had something wrong with what, you know, whether it was a wheel knocked over or, you know, their fender was ripped off. It was just, it looked like a demo derby. It did not look like these were the cars out there that were still alive. Yeah, and the thing is, is like, just to see the wrecks all day and to see guys be so resilient and all day to come back, you know, you see guys like Ryan Blaney who's fighting for his playoff life getting a pretty bad wreck and come back. Martin Truex Jr., same thing. Um, You know, obviously didn't land his way. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But, you know, and just that, it just was ridiculous. You saw cars that you would have never expected to stay clean, stay clean. Um, I, I don't, I, there's really nothing. I have no words for it, Bob. I'm, I'm still kind of in shock. I mean, I don't, I don't actually know. I, I can't believe that that many cars wrecked out and there was that torrential downpour that never even saw the other side of the racetrack, but yeah, that's for, so strange. Yeah. For whatever reason, that timing, here we are. It's crazy. It, you had like a three or four hour gap between the last, you know, 21 laps, but you know, before that, you know, that, that rain hit around, what was it, you know, 10, 11 o'clock Eastern. You felt like you had watched a marathon by that point. Uh, it was, a, like you said, a war of attrition, all those guys overcoming adversity. But it just one after another, aggressive runs, aggressive wrecks. It just, you you wondered who was going to be there at the end. And then that big one happened. And you really were like, what the hell? Is anyone going to be here besides Austin Dillon and Cody Ware? Which, oh, Adam. 
Adam, Adam, Adam. Cody where when I saw Cody Ware come through is slow I mean creeping through creeping through I could have gotten out of the car and run alongside of him through that wreck when he got through unscathed and I saw he was P2 I texted you immediately and just was like yeah the wear bears out here let's go you know the uh the hell freezing over plan of me flying to Nashville to celebrate Cody Ware's first win I have to be 100% honest with all six people listening I had to look up some flights. I, I saw him running P2. I, you know, obviously had a clean car. I was like, I, I, there was a very real part of me about two hours into the rain delay that had to consider the fact that Cody Ware was in a spot to win a race. It was feeling, was feeling very brisk in hell for once. Let me tell yes. you. It, it, it was quite brisk in hell, but Luckily, uh, luckily, she hasn't frozen over yet. The Ice Age hasn't hit her. But. Not yet, but uh, I was I was rooting for it. I really was just for for the chaos. Uh, you know, Austin Dillon winning. You know, it, it's it gets NASCAR what they wanted with the playoff bubble there, the drama. Uh, you know, those last couple laps, watching the playoff bubble between Blaney and Truex. You know, one guy or two guys coming off after you know their car basically falling apart, kind of is what saved Blaney. It really was. No, 100%. And, you know, to see how NBC covered those last few laps while they were going back and forth in points and literally giving it to you, oh, with this lap, he's within five points. With this lap, he's with, he passed him by three points. That's the drama. It, they built it up. They did such a good job of presenting it. That being said, if I have to come back from a commercial and the entire lead cycles through like it does on lap 28 to 30 and we're back in commercial. What the hell was that? What the fuck? I'm not even, even going to be diplomatic about this. This was fucking stupid. I, it was dumb. It was so dumb. You got there. There was an entirely new leader. I think one through five. It was an entirely new was, top five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One through five was completely new. And NBC Eric Jones comes and back. Chris Busher were leading, and then you come back, and it's Denny Hamlin and the Toyota. You're like, where? Whoa, 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 what the hell happened here? You know, I, I think they did a really good job on focusing on the dr- dramatic aspects, but they're they're letting their fans down a little bit with this broadcast. I mean, go to side by side. Where are the side? Why are we going away from racing at Daytona? And I, I get it. Daytona is their biggest advertising thing, so they're going to push more commercials. Commercials. But man, when the racing is that good and, you know, they don't even do the justice of explaining right away the broadcast. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is Denny Hamlin in the lead? They just for as good as NBC has been this year, there are moments like that that just it really separates NASCAR from the authenticity of that in the moment. Yeah, it, it just made me it, uh, and you got the text messages. So you understand. I was mad. I was like, damn, what the hell is going on here? I. I yeah, to, and then to not give an explanation, and to and then to treat it like a, they treated it like an afterthought. That was my thing. Is that it, it was, was Chris like, Busher going way wide, going basically almost wrecking. I mean, yeah, you know, he had to, I he wanted had to, to know why Eric Jones far. wasn't in the lead because I was I was pulling for Eric Jones this week. I mean, I, I was a, I was very confused, Adam. Very confused. And then it took, like you said, four or five minutes for them to show that replay of why. Yeah, finally, what happened? And you're like, oh, well, that was a pretty good sequence of racing. It's a shame we missed it. Mm-hmm. But all things considered, 
I, you know, I can't, you can't ever really complain about the broadcast. I think they do a good job um, when they're not selling coins pre-race and things like that. But, you know, obviously race gets moved um, to CNBC. It is what it is, but I just, why are, it's the year, in the year of our Lord 2022, why are we not having side-by-side? Like, there's no reason to take your eyes off the track at Daytona. And you think that people are paying more attention when the race isn't on during commercials? I mean, think about it. If you're an advertiser, what's, what would be better than to have a very small screen of the race on the top right corner and then the rest of the screen is your ad? It's perfect. Yeah. It won't take your eyes off the screen. And again, I hate to always compare it, but Formula One has a two-hour window where there's no commercials. The young 18 to 49 demographic is huge into that. And when you watch an NASCAR race and the action's getting really good, and all of a sudden you cut to a commercial for two or three minutes, you lose all that momentum and all the excitement. It's just, you know, for someone who's a casual fan, it's hard to get excited for a race like that when you know every 10 or 15 laps you're going to get interrupted for a green flag commercial. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Something that I think as NASCAR moves forward with the new TV deal, something that hopefully they're keeping an eye on or their executives at least have a have an ear to the ground because we can't be the only people with these complaints. Uh you know, Bob, you mentioned a name a little bit earlier that uh, I want to talk a little more about. Um, Eric Jones uh, really was running very strong early in the race, but that car just looked so unpredictable out there, Bob. You could tell that when he was leading his lines, that thing was not under control at all. He was so loose. It got to the point where he had to literally drop to the back of the pack because he could not control that car. And, you know, there was multiple moments, and he had that one – couple slip up with Denny Hamlin at the beginning, but you were really concerned that he was going to trigger a very big wreck and <laughs> shocked that shocked that he finished. Where did he end up? He was, I think 15th, 17th, I guess, but still, I mean, there was a couple moments where we were like, he's going to take out the whole field here. I honestly in watching the race um, in early in stage one, the thought that occurred to me was there's two people that is probably going to, that could cause the big one today. Number one being Ross Chastain, because why not? And number two, it was Eric Jones, because that car just, it looked like he had no control of it. You don't mm-hmm. see, you don't often see cars with that big of a, a handling issue at Daytona. And it just goes to show how, actually, how how screwed up that car was for him. He was running fast, but he just had no, no control over the thing. He was a rocket ship. He sacrificed handling for speed, for sure. Um, you mentioned guys that are notable for big ones. Brad Keselowski is usually in that list, but they jumped out very quickly. So there was one less threat to be taken out right there. So you really had to worry about Eric Jones and Ross Chastain. And, you know, ultimately those guys were one of, you know, what, 30 cars that ended up wrecking out, it felt like. So take a number, right? Yeah, everybody took a number and got wrecked. Take Uh, a number. Amen. Hey, another guy who I thought kind of jumped out of my screen a little bit on early stage one, Corey LeJoy. You know, yeah. obviously had the real strong showing in Atlanta. Um, seems to be that he really likes these super speedway style track tracks, you know, with the plate racing. Seems like he's, you know, kind of developing a little bit of a specialty here. Good to see him, you know, kind of an independent racer kind of come out a little bit and perform. Yeah. I know. He's- no, I mean, you, you've seen him historically on super speedways, been pretty good this year. I mean, even in the Atlanta race, that's not a super speedway that's, you know, it is a super speedway now. Yeah. Him and Chase Elliott are battling for the win there. So, you know, Corey LaJoy has shown to be a threat at these super speedway races. It's to the point now where I'm not too shocked to see the seven up there. But uh, 
him finishing races is a whole different story because you know you can have speed at these tracks, but um, if you don't, if you don't, you know, if you're not there at the end, what's the point? So some of these guys, they they've got that pedigree of being fast, like you know Ricky Stenhouse, you know Corla Joy. They just they don't end up finishing. That's the problem. Amen. And that's the thing. I mean, will he ever be consistent enough throughout the entire season? piece it together and to get into playoff contention would ever be my question. And, you know, I don't know, stack of pennies does well, you know, keep, keep the profit stream going for him. You never know what's going to happen. I, you know, it's, it's something to keep an eye on. He's definitely, definitely has, um, has some acumen for these types of tracks. It'll be interesting to see if you can translate translate it to other places on the, uh, on the circuit here. It'd be um, good. It'd be good because he does have a good personality for NASCAR as well. Oh. They need people like him in the sport. I, uh, oh, a hundred percent. And it, you know, if he's out there and lead races, winning races, it makes it a lot easier for them to push him. So, you know, podcast they, numbers are going to go up. They'd be stacking I mean, dimes in a minute. Oh, they'd be stacking at least quarters at that point. You never know. So, uh, you know, got, got a little peek into a uh, core memory of a driver's son or whatnot today. Um, how cool would it be to play NASCAR heat with Dale jr.? I, that was a great detail in the broadcast. I, I love that they followed up with Dale. Did you did you let him win? He goes, "No, I won." No, I won. Oh, no, yeah. you can't. You, can, I mean, you, you know, it's well documented how much Dale loves video games, that type of thing. So it's no surprise to hear that he was he was out there playing video games. <laughs> like you said, the competitor in him to just not even be willing to say, "Nope, I, yep, I won." No, don't he's, even. Yeah. He's racing with who was it? Am, Amarola's son, I believe. Yeah, Amarola, yeah, it was Eric Amarola's son. Oh my god. I just can't imagine walking into a holler and just seeing Dale Jr. just beating some kid and lapping him at Bristol. That's so good. Hey, you got to learn, kid. You got to learn what a slide job is. Slide job. Slide job. That that, that dead Dale Jr. clip to go back to the big one where he he, real quick. My God. God! I've listened listened to that three or four times. He's so good at those blurts. We got cars. Wow. If we're going to, uh, if we're going to rank power rank, my gods, I think it's, I think number one, one of one is Jr. Good old Jr. Jim Ross. Oh my God. He broke him in half. You get a good God almighty. There's nothing, there's nothing that gets the piss boiling more than a Jr. Good God almighty. Oh, absolutely not. But Dale Jr. Is slowly climbing that list because <laughs> that was pretty good today. I was laughing. At that, so. Yes. Yes. So um, another interesting little part of the race that we saw was towards the end of stage two, um, the Toyotas formed up, started forming and gotten their line together. And it was a pretty interesting member of the Toyota line. Old Tyler Reddick for a little while was, was welcomed into the Toyota line, you know, little, Hey buddy, welcome in and, you know, kind of let him run around a little bit until they eventually spit him out, cycled him out. But what do you think of that, Bob? If they don't, don't notice, I'm, I'm, in the Chevy right now. They'll just think I'm part of the Toyota family early here. Maybe they won't notice here. And then somebody noticed the check, the cheddar sponsor. Well, you know, that's an ours. Well, you know, get man, that man. shit out of here. No, get him out of here. Get him out of here. They literally it. punted him. So it was quickly. so funny though, because it was like, Oh, Tyler Reddick's just, uh, I guess he's just, you know, hanging out with his new friends a little early uh, over at Toyota. Just, you yeah, know, just seeing if it works. Yeah, I just wanted to see how it would test in the line, you know, wanted to see how he'd feel. It's always good to go. And, you know, I know we're in, uh, and so <laughs> we're with high schools. I'm not sure if they do it out by you, Bob. So the Catholic schools and whatnot out here, you can shadow. 
so you can go to the school for a day and like you know kind of get 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 your bearings about you so you get like walked around by like an upperclassman <laughs> type of thing you're eighth you know you're in eighth grade you're not quite in high school yet but they just want to show you like what a day at the school is like that type of thing i went and, to public you know, school so they they don't want us to see that so oh god no yeah yeah well anyway so tyler reddick <laughs> literally had a nice little shadow day on the racetrack tried to get in with the toyota see how he would fit in the lunch line you know and he got bullied and that's okay you, do you think that Richard Childress was watching from the window like Squidward watching SpongeBob and Patrick outside that meme? He's just verbal, verbal meme. He, he's just he's a jealous ex-girlfriend already. He's just ugh, he's already with the Toyotas. Yeah. I mean, always good. I mean, anytime you get to listen to Richard Childress on the radio, by the way, like in that I I love hearing that. I Old know. man energy. Old man energy to its finest. I mean, to listen to him go like it, it felt honestly felt like steel from Tennessee fans felt like 98 the way that he literally just came out of nowhere with the most archaic race strategy of wait till the white and the do, do what you gotta do or whatever it's just, he saw the three on the track and it just it, it just sent a, a memory down him I guess I don't know I, Adam, I don't know but it was so old school wait wait till the one to go and then give him the bump and he did not wait for the one to go by the way he, oh. he was like no grandpa I'm, I'm tired of waiting no I'm, I'm doing it now and he, yeah, he's like he gave Austin means... Cindric the boot yeah oh absolutely but I mean it meant too much to wait to one I mean and you heard him talk about it on the broadcast it's like what the hell is he gonna wait for one for I mean he's got to make it stick what are you gonna do <laughs> like like just for kicks and giggles, give yourself one shot at it. I mean, I get it. I mean, it sounded cool on the radio. Don't get me wrong, but my God, what are I you appreciate, doing? I appreciate Cindric after the race. He was angry at the move, but he was like, you know, Hey, he's, he's trying to get the playoffs. It is what it is. Like, I'm glad I'm in the playoffs already. You know, took the lump and moved on. Some guys would have just been up in arms, about, but he gets it, you know, young guy too. He races like that. He did the same thing to Ryan Blaney in week one. So um, yeah. It worked out okay for him. Well, you said his name, so we should probably talk a little bit about uh, Ryan Blaney just barely uh, edging out Martin Truex Jr. to get in the playoffs. Um, you know, Adam, Adam, round of applause. I'm going to stand up here. Round of applause oh. for the Blaney team. <laughs> round, of, round of applause for the, the Penske team, the 12 team, because they had everything in the kitchen sink thrown at them on Sunday morning. I mean, like, good Lord, the fact that they – had him limping out, out there to P15. And, and clearly those three spots mattered. I mean, those those spots mattered. Every lap counted. But, I mean, man, the fa- fact that they went out there and just had him limp around as much as they could, did what they had to do, and it showed that, it, you know, it mattered in the end. It, it and mattered. Everybody in the garage that is eligible for the playoffs right now, all 16, all 15 other drivers need to uh, – need to be giving Ryan Blaney a big hug right now because Martin Truex Jr. has made it to, I believe, the final two in what? Uh, at least the last two years of the playoffs. Or final four there. I was going to say, it's, I think three or four of the last like, eight or nine years. It's, it's, I mean, he's been pretty good at some of these short tracks late and in the year, and that's, that's dangerous. The thing. He gets and He gets into the playoffs, no telling what happens. I mean – I think there's a honest. lot of there's a lot of people in this garage right now, Bob, that are breathing a sigh of relief. I'll tell you that much. I'll be honest here. I mean, Adam, we'll do a playoff, you know, preview later in the week here, soft tease. But um, I, 
would you really be that concerned about the Penske Fords in the playoffs when it gets to, you know, the final eight, the final four? I mean, maybe they find some speed. The Fords have looked better the last couple weeks, but, you know, I would much rather go against Ryan Blaney than one of the, the Joe Gibbs Toyotas at Phoenix where they've been historically pretty good. Yeah. So that's my two cents there. I, I think you're right about that sigh of relief. Yeah. And, you know, I think, like we said, NBC, kudos to them for how they covered this and the drama that they were able to manufacture out of this was just incredible. I mean, made the broadcast so much better. There are a couple, you know, a couple of ill-timed commercials away from, from getting a real chef's kiss from me, but man, this was just fun. This set up for, you know, everybody thought with Kurt Busch's announcement earlier in the week that that was going to take some of the drama out of this race. And boy, I oh did boy, too. Could, yeah. I did too. And, you know, hand up a little bit on that. I, I really thought it was going to take some of the drama out because I was like, okay, well, Blaney's definitely going to get in somehow. Da, 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 da. And, of course, Blaney did eventually get in. But if you had Austin Dillon getting into the playoffs before this week. Uh, if you would have said at the end of stage one, Austin Dillon and Ryan Blaney were the ones that were getting in. I, <laughs> nope. I don't think you would have. I don't think you would have taken nope. that bet. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I definitely wouldn't have. And that's the thing. I mean. At the end of the day, all you can really say is you know, Daytona is going to Daytona. I mean, yeah. NASCAR got what they wanted here. I mean, they they get the yeah. last regular season event. It's a, basically a lottery for these last 15, 16 drivers that have a shot to get in. You saw multiple guys that you know were in that winning get in spot having opportunities at the end. And you get that walk off moment for Austin Dillon in the three car at Daytona. It's just, you know, it's a great storybook. It's exactly what NASCAR needs for, you know, that unpredictability. Now, you know, as far as competition-wise, you could say what you want about it. You know, is it the best way to measure a long-term season winner? But, you know, it keeps it everything fun. Every race matters. And places like Daytona, yeah, it is kind of a crapshoot. And, you know, it's kind of a war of attrition. Some of the racing is just, quite frankly, a shit show. But, you know, that's what a lot of casual fans want. And it's what a lot of, you know, attention gets for this sport. Yeah, I mean... I don't think if you're an Astar executive, you're complaining one bit about how this race ended up today. I mean, if you're because, an owner, maybe. No, oh, yeah, because you, that, that bill was expensive. Well, I mean, to see that, I mean, proof of the pudding, to see all of the haulers and all the teams that just popped, that just packed up as soon as they were, you know, didn't even wait out the rain delay. They're just like, yeah, I'll see you later. I'm I mean, Kyle, yeah, I mean, Kyle Bush, I mean, he po- he's so funny. I love that. He posted a, uh, a video out of the window of the plane of, of him flying over Darlington on the way home. That's, that's fantastic. It was hilarious. He was like, it was like flight path over Darlington. It was super funny, but yeah, I mean, no complaints about the race for sure. You're not going to get any from me. It had, it had something for everybody because when they were racing intense, when they were green, there was some of the best racing we've seen all year on this track. Oh yeah. With you. Oh, absolutely. And you got that great Brett Griffin clip at at the rain delay. The dude what, what was it, Adam? Can you can you give me it? Dude, the way that door uh, the way that door bumper clear is about to get so many more viewers because that is Brett Griffin in a nutshell. That quote right there was perfect. And everybody heard his voice and was like, kind of wait to hear something like that. So when the broadcast gave it to us and Brett came out with do not lift for any fucking reason. Because he's like, hey, you got it. it was perfect. You know, he obviously started. It was so funny. You saw it progress in his head. He goes, all right, starts raining. You know, got to go, got to go. Do not lift for any fucking reason. Don't care like, what. Do not don't fucking care. Don't care what. I was like, 
That was and I hear some of those appreciate things, maybe man. maybe the NBC broadcast just forgot to bleep it, but I'm hoping that deep down they just were like, you know what, if you're still part of this rain delay right now, we're gonna give you a little a little one right there because man, that was worth it right there. Yeah. It seemed like they kind of were willing to take one on the chin from the OFCC because that was that was worth it, dude. I mean, like I said, I just to listen, just to hear it. And to listen to stuff like that, it kind of made me wonder. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to really talk to you about this pre-show, but I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here or ask you a question, not go on a little bit of a rant. Would you pay for a NASCAR broadcast, pay-per-view, but you get uncensored radio that you can cycle, that you can kind of on a NASCAR TV app, that you can cycle through your driver radio or like a red zone type thing. They, they cycle you through the different radios that are relevant. What do you think of something like that? I've heard this floated out for every different sport. I would pay for any kind of unfiltered, like, like commentary or any kind of like, you know, unscripted commentary, whether it's, you know, you hear the behind the scenes where, you know, they're saying, you know, what the, what the fuck is Ross Chastain doing out here from Chase Elliott or whatever on the mic live time with the cameras, that'd be great. Or like, I've even heard this for football, you know, unscripted HBO style, like, you know, real sports football where they're no. like, you know, that dude just got absolutely shit pumped. Like, can you imagine that? No, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest no, with it's, you. Well, because it's, it's not marketable. It's not family friendly. It would be, no, they, in this it market, would, it's not. It's it would not. get to a point to where guys would be so unwilling to say anything. And you know, anybody who's ever played football at any level, and the higher you go, the worse it gets. Some of the things that are said out there are, yeah, you can put them on pay-per-view. People want to listen to them, but you're going to get a lot of people who are just going to sit there and, you know, tweet up a storm about how offended they are about it all. And that's the thing. People that people that would be watching us for the first time and don't know what it's like out there, don't really realize how they talk. They'd be just absolutely shocked. And a lot of people would probably be turned off by the colorful commentary on the field, on the track, just everywhere because i mean when you're in that heat of the moment man you say some stuff yeah oh 100 and you know i think but nascar really do, i think nascar should really take a look at this i mean at the end of the day one of their videos that does well every single week is that radioactive i mean they post the radioactive it's almost i watch it that, it's almost something that nascar fans set their alarm to watch i mean they they have them hook line and sinker on this on this listening to the radio stuff why not capitalize on it it's one, of the few, it's one of the few things that NASCAR kind of does content wise really, really well showing b- that behind the scenes unscripted access that, yeah. you know, they put together every week because that's one of the things that NASCAR, I think, is kind of behind on when it comes to social media is the content and just that access, you know, yeah, pictures and videos. Great. But that kind of stuff where you really get to feel like you're a part of the team and in the garage, that's the kind of stuff that people like us, I think, really want to see. And that's why yeah. this documentary coming out on USA this week, that's going to be really, really good for the sport. It's called it a drive to survive mockumentary, whatever you want to do, you know, all that kind of stuff is really good for the sport. And it just, is going to bring more casual people that are going to say, Hey, this is a good way to learn about NASCAR, see it and not just go to a new race blind. Yeah. I mean, and not to mention it's, it's an American version of, you know, drive to survive. I think a lot of people will be very, just very interested in some of the personalities that they have in NASCAR. I think, you know, it, it, I am happy to see NASCAR put themselves out like this and just say, Hey, you know, here are the, here are the guys we have in the sport. We're going to, you know, take them or leave them, 
but here they are. And I, I love it. I love it. Five I love years ago, get... NASCAR wouldn't even sniff this idea. No, they would have been I... so against it. Yeah, just... they would have. Oh, you know, it's kind of like a. they were just they've always kind of fell behind this curtain to where if you're in the boys club, you get, you know, you know, all the drama and that type of thing. But, you know, I think as NASCAR kind of branches out and the curtain pull is pulled back a little bit and they they let fans see what goes on, they're going to see that they're going to galvanize a fan base that already is so loyal to them. There's there's a reason shows like Stacking Pennies and Dorbon Burkler are so popular with NASCAR hardcore fans. It's because they get to see the industry behind the access. They get to hear all the rumors in the garage. And it's just stuff that you cannot get from NASCAR's content, from even broadcast Twitter, whether it's you know the athletic or anything like that, because these are just rumors, but they're from really, really connected people. And it's just great unfiltered access. I want to hear from these spotters what they think about their race. I, I want to hear that. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe we're in the minority here, Adam, but you know, I, I want to hear what they their perspective is because they're the ones that are actually living that moment. We're just watching it. They're the ones in that moment. I think honestly, I, I, I think it would probably come from like a dirty mo or something like that, some some sort of corporate partner. But imagine, I mean, you just had the DBC guys mic'd up. I mean, you just had their radios available. So you could cycle through listening to, you know, TJ think, you know, TJ Brett and that type of thing while you're going through while they're going through the race. I, it just because allows you to continue to develop personalities. And that's what we need to do. I don't care if, it, you know, obviously you need to push your drivers, but who cares if we've got a colorful spot or a colorful Jackman or something like that? Fuck yeah. Let's like, you know, let's, let's have these, let's put these guys out. Let's show them, you know, we'll show them. It's not like these, it's not like these radios are being, you know, subdued to the public. You can pay for a driver's radio access on the app for a couple oh, yeah. bucks. But to have it, you know, style on the broadcast where you can watch it to live time, I think, like you said, a red zone style where you can go to multiple drivers if you want, not just be stuck to your driver or one driver. I think that would give a lot of fans that behind the scenes access that would just make that viewing a little bit better when it's three hours of, you know, just, you know, hearing Steve Letarte and Dale Jr. You have something different. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with Steve Letarte or Dale Jr., but no. you even hear it. It's just uncomfortable to con- commentate anything for that long. I mean, just to be filling three hours of television, you know, two and a half hours of television, just a lot of time to fill. It's it's a marathon. It really is a marathon. And it's, it's a credit to them to keep your, your attention as long as they do. They're really damn good at it. And Mike Joy on Fox is the same way. Yeah. It's not an easy job. You know, even us talking for 40 minutes, Adam, you know, at some point we're like, you know, we can only do this for so long. So I can't imagine three hours of it. No, I can't either. And they, like you said, they just do such a good job with it all. But yeah, I can't imagine. Um, trying to think of anything else we need to talk about. Um, Michael Jordan on the on the pit box. Cool. Oh, hey, that was cool. At the end of the yeah. race there, seeing Michael, Michael Jordan and Denny sitting next to each other. Probably the only time that'll ever happen. It was Denny's uh, racing, at least. I was gonna say, watching Denny sitting on the owner's box while his car was entered was just strange. It was, it was one of those. Shouldn't you be out there? But you know, <laughs> I'm glad he stuck around. It was, it was cool. You know, like you said, a lot of those guys had picked up and left. But you know, Denny being the hands-on owner, he had both of his cars still alive. I mean, Ty Gibbs was still running out there a couple laps down, but yeah. you know, both of his cars were out there. He's being a hands-on owner and seeing Michael Jordan not just you know be you know a name on the the company. Being at the track multiple weeks, it's, it's cool, and it's, it's good for him and the sport. 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's mutually beneficial. The more, you know, people see Michael Jordan on TV, that type of thing, very private guy. So anytime you see him out in public, kind of, you know, makes a little bit of a headline. And it's great for NASCAR because anywhere Michael Jordan is, you've got eyes. I mean, you've got a market. And to see him be so involved in the race team just really makes you feel hopeful about the future of the sport. Um, you know, you've seen a lot a lot more big names get into it, you know, Pitbull, that type of thing. We've talked about this a little bit before, but just exciting. Super exciting. Always good to see him at the racetrack. New blood is always good for a sport like NASCAR. You know, new ideas makes you change and makes you be innovative and not just, you know, stick with what you have done because that's how you get stale. And that's how NASCAR got themselves in a predicament about 10 years ago. Amen. And, you know, I think as you talk about change, one of the biggest changes coming in NASCAR recently is the next gen car. And, you know, sticking on the topic of Denny Hamlin, Denny had some uh, some interesting comments after his wreck uh, coming out of the car, talking about, you know, we've heard a lot about this car and the impacts, and we've talked a little bit about it on this show. Uh, I believe the quote from Denny was something to the effect of he felt like he had gotten hit in the jaw and felt like he had been in a, you know, been in a fight after that wreck. Uh, Bob, I'm just wondering, what what's NASCAR got to do to make this these impacts a little bit softer? Yeah, man, we talk about this kind of every couple weeks here, it feels like, where, you know, these drivers have a couple hits that they say really jar them. Um, it's one of those things, long-term, guys like Denny Hamlin who are in their early 40s, you know, if, if this car is going to be like that, you're not going to see guys drive for a long time anymore. And that's something that NASCAR has to adapt. They have to do something to keep this car, you know, obviously it's safe, but, you know, it's as far as major, major wrecks. But, you know, if, if the car is not absorbing any of the energy and you know, these guys are knocking their heads around, you know, concussions are no joke. Head injuries, neck injuries, no j- joke. If Denny's if Denny's saying that, you know, he's not dealing with, we've said it multiple weeks, multiple drivers. This is something that NASCAR has to has to fix and has to fix. And it's got to be a priority in the offseason here. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, you know, I got to give a big shout out. Um, I believe the guy who makes these videos is named Iceberg. But um, it's, I believe, in the third part of the Iceberg video, he talks about the next-gen test where NASCAR actually sent the next-gen car 135 miles an hour at a 24-degree angle into the wall at Daytona. And the rumor surrounding that test, according to the video and everything, was that impact at 135 miles an hour hitting the wall would have killed whoever was driving that so they did the measurements on the crash dummy that type of thing and it caused nascar to then put a bunch more crunch points and things like that to soften up the impact of the car i guess my question is have they had enough time to figure out if those crunch points actually work because if i'm a nascar driver and i heard a rumor of that test and that that's what happened to the dummy and then Oh, hey, also, we're going to roll out this car without them very detailed with about a very detailed explanation as to what happened and what was done to remediate it. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but NASCAR has got to be a little more transparent with this because these you're messing with guys livelihoods. Um, obviously, you see Kurt Busch have to pull out of the playoffs because of this concussion. Um I just it's something to keep an eye on. I, I don't you know, obviously, there's nothing concrete or anything like that, but. As these drivers talk about these hits more and more, it will be interesting to see what it is going to take for NASCAR to come out and say, okay, we're going to have to do something. Obviously, this is growing pains with the new car, but 
you know, when you see past champions like Kurt Busch, hopefully not have his career ended, but you know, I want to see him have his, he, I want to see him go out on his terms, but to see him, you know, have to give up a playoff spot when he's already won a race this year, that's really tough. And, you know, obviously there's going to be growing pains with the new car, but it's, it's at some point, you know, these drivers have to really question, you know, the safety behind it long-term for their health, because guys like Danny Hamlin aren't getting any younger and, you know, you're not going to see guys like Mark Martin drive into their fifties anymore. If this is the case. No, certainly not. I think you won't even see guys like Kevin Harvick anymore. If this is the case. I mean, you won't even see guys racing in their, you know, late thirties for their forties. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, and you do that math. Those are a lot of the, the big name drivers here. Truex, Harvick, Hamlin, Kurt what Busch, you, Kyle Busch. Do you think it's a good thing to shorten Kyle Larson's NASCAR career? I, I think it'd be a horrible thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's yeah. the thing. You've got so many of these drivers. You've got names that are that are, you know, prolific brands in your sport that you need to keep around as long as you can. Of course, you've got young guys coming up who, you know, like Todd Gillian and stuff like that. But you're big. Can you brands. imagine though, Tony Stewart or Jeff Gordon racing until they're in their mid to late thirties? Though, no, NASCAR would not be the same, and that's something. Oh that goodness, they, they cannot afford to lose major stars. Well, imagine, imagine if Clint Boyer didn't stick around for as long as he did. And if Clint Boyer didn't come back in the broadcast, but I think Clint Boyer is, you know, Dale Jr. gets a lot of credit and rightfully so because he's most one of the more popular drivers. But a guy like Clint Boyer has done so much for the sport. And imagine if a guy like that stopped racing 10 years earlier. You mm-hmm. lose so much. And the sport loses the personality. And, you know, like we keep talking about, NASCAR needs more personalities. We need to facilitate getting these you know getting these guys to open up as time goes on it'll be interesting to see what nascar does just something to keep an eye on because like i said that's something that especially this offseason there's going to be a lot of talk about it with the drivers with with the teams just it's something that's got to be fixed and fixed fast amen well uh unless you've got anything else bob i think that just about wraps it up for the recap of daytona uh any closing thoughts yeah i mean we just kind of needed to do an emergency pod just because i mean this was this was a shit show here um little little tease i guess we'll do a playoff preview this week i think to to really push into darlington and the rest of the round of 16 and beyond just because i mean adam you picked a great time to get into NASCAR, my friend. This is about as wide open of a year as you're ever going to see, I think, because I mean, 16 different winners. It really is anyone's year. I, I really don't know what to expect. Me either. And nobody really has a definitive lead in points. I mean, obviously Chase Elliott has that nice little cushion, getting me 15 points for winning the regular season, but you know, and I'm, I'm anxious to chat with you about it, Bob, anxious to get going, you know, so hear who you think has the best chance at winning the Winning this year's playoffs. Um, I guess we'll roll the dice, you know, pull the lever on the slot machine and see who's, who NASCAR spits out as a champion this year, huh? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Real quick, I guess, uh, we might, we're a football podcast. Just we, uh, Ravens won. Bills had a rough week. Um, let's see here. The Titans might go to their punters for the first time since 2009. That breaks my heart. I love you, Brett Kern. Don't ever leave me. Um, and Vandy just absolutely demolished the Hawaiian Islands for the first time since 1941. So, wow. Oh, also, speaking of, speaking of uh, getting demolished, Aaron Donald almost killed a man. 
whoever thought it was a good idea to have the two teams that play each other in the Super Bowl have a joint practice needs to be fired. One word. Assault. Assault. It's assault. That's what it was. It was assault in the words of Adam Schefter. Aaron Donald tried to kill a man. Aaron Donald and, could have very go well and killed dual, a man. Dual Akeembo Bengals helmets. Like, looking, like oh, me with no. model, looking like me with some model 87s in Call of Duty. <laughs> just, the 1887, Just baby. swinging, man. Just swinging. I mean, ah, if, if it was anybody Honestly, else, they'd be in trouble. Aaron Donald, I guess, gets away with it. <laughs> Bob, I didn't know you when, you know, when the model 1887s were a thing, but it does not shock me that you were an 1887 dual wheel guy. All power. Guy. All, All power. power. Just I running want, around I, the map like a dick. I want to feel, I want to feel every, every shockwave of those things go off. Just, oh, shun, shun. those are cannons. Hand cannons. Incredible. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's hard to care about football until the preseason comes on. And to be honest with you, we're not going to add anything new to the football conversation. Um, you'll probably just get to hear us uh, make fun of some people. Uh, we'll bring on some of our buddies who uh, who are a little bit more passionate about about the beautiful game. So, are there any Nebraska fans out there that are still alive that would like to come on? You know, did you, if did you if survive? For, if for some odd reason there is a Nebraska Cornhuskers fan who who is still has a beating heart. After what happened to them, please call us because we we need to speak to you. I appreciate that we offloaded one of the worst Big Ten games to Ireland too. We gave them we gave them Northwestern and Nebraska. I mean that is that's pretty America, good. America literally said, "All right, we'll export football, but not not that great of football." That's that's pretty that's pretty damn good right there. That's like Adam. I know you're not a big Premier League guy. That's like getting like. Nottingham Forest versus like Watford like or West something. Ham I mean, or something yeah, like, that. <laughs> it's, it's like hey, they're coming over here. They're playing a real game, but it's not yeah. who you want it to be. Yeah. You're Scott yeah, Frost. You're about to watch Scott Frost break in half for uh, again like the millionth time, probably. Yeah, I honestly that that onside kick, yikes! Not good. Not, not great. Good. Not great. We're gonna we're we're gonna blame the time difference. Certainly. I mean, and then I, I love the post-game press conference where he's just like, there's nothing better than watching a coach who knows he's probably going to get fired. <laughs> Give a and press it's week, conference. it's week zero. It's week zero. It's not even week one, my guy. Like, man, and, even, oh. Van, even Vandy looked good. Like, come on, dude. Dude, Vandy reminded you just how, like, deep the SEC actually is. It shows the difference. It shows it even really the worst does. team by far in the SEC still is miles ahead of just Yeah, and, and not that a Hawaii's a, team. Not that Hawaii's a world burner or anything like that, but to go over on the island and just put it on him like that, that doesn't happen very often. I don't it's think impressive. I don't think football fans understand how hard it is to go back and travel to Hawaii and play there, especially when you live on in the you know on the East Coast, not quite central time zone, but Yikes, man! That's what a long flight. Five, five, six-hour time difference. At least five, yeah. I don't. Is it one time zone outside of uh, Pacific? Two, three, three hours behind Pacific. So six, yeah. It's a six-hour time it's difference. Six-hour time difference. That's. I mean, that's tough. That's a tough adjustment. How do you prepare for? I can't even imagine. 
two things real quick on that. I love that uh, we had week zero end with Hawaii at 930 central time. Like that's just so fitting. Nothing better. So, so, so fitting. I mean, that's whoever scheduled that perfect. But the other thing real quick, first time Vandy has hung 60 since Mac Brown, the coach Mac Brown was a football player at Vanderbilt. He went to and Vandy? I, he did. Mac Brown was on the last team for Vanderbilt that hung 60. Oh my gosh. I, I that that is a stat. That is analytics right there. Like have I ever told you my theory that uh, Mac Brown was literally just born to coach Texas football? I'm not kidding. Yeah. No, I'm not kidding. I, I and Texas is not Texas hasn't been the same since he left because he was so good at that job. He was so good at dealing with those boosters. You know how hard that that the is boosters, hard... the coaches in Texas, everything. He was the perfect one for that. That literally, state. he did it all. And you know they haven't been the same since he left. I I will die on that sword. But is Mac Texas Brown the George? Hasn't... Is Mac Brown the George Bush of college football? Oh I I, saw, I just saw the wheels oh turning goodness. your head. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think you're right. Yes. I mean, listen. Uh, I I don't know. He's almost like Slick Willie. When Colt bit. McCoy when Colt McCoy went down in in the 08 title game, it did feel kind of like Towers. So never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. But anyway, anyway, there's our off the rail segment for the night. <laughs> oh, there's our off the rail segment. We're getting a little bit late, and that <laughs> was. I love that. You know, Bob, absolutely let it fly. Nobody's listening. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nobody's there was, listening. There was, the, there was the parallel there. It was the parallel there. Was, oh, well, was... they're there. They were parallel. <laughs> Any last thoughts on football or Daytona, Adam? No. Um, I will say uh, going to the Ground Zero Museum was one of the single most moving experiences of my life. Um <laughs> The museum was simply incredible. Um, we don't mean to make light of any any sort of tra- you know the tragedy that happened. By God, we can't help ourselves because we're idiots. So um, yeah, we're just not great people. There's we'll we'll get into that eventually. We can describe who we are. And, yeah. The playoff the playoff preview coming this week. I'm excited. It's going to be a really really good playoffs. If you're not a NASCAR fan, even if you're not. I would tune in for a couple races just because it's going to be aggressive. It's going to be great racing. And <laughs> again, it's so unpredictable. I can't wait. Yep. Very excited to talk to you about it later in the week, Bob. Uh, this has been Breaking Balls, Episode 6. As always, I'm Adam O'Shea with my co-host, Bob Perry. We'll see you guys later. Been a pleasure. <laughs>